Hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, all about the messages we hear each and every week. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and I'm happy to be here. Joining me this week, once again, Aaron Gibson and Cesar Guerrero. Hey, guys. Hello, hello. Hey, Nathan. Are we officially your sidekicks I now? I think so. This? You know, it's it's enough to call it a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> sidekicks, or we're just all the Three Stooges, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, maybe more or so the, that. Yeah. What, what's yeah. the What's the mariachi? What's the Steve Martin? Three Amigos. Oh, three Amigos. Three yeah. Amigos. The Three Amigos. Beautiful. Take a left at the Singing Bush. Ooh. No, no, yeah, the Singing Bush and the Invisible Swordsman are the. <laughs> What a great movie. And by the way, why does Steve Martin not make movies anymore? That guy is hilarious. He's playing the banjo now. He does, but yeah. Yeah, he's, he's too busy he, with banjo. No, he has, he has a band. Yeah. yeah, he has a band and they tour quite often. He's really, really good. Isn't that he's amazing? Good. Yeah, he's pretty remarkable. Uh, so, a classic, at least in my family, Steve Martin film is Father of the Bride. Yes. And this Friday, Netflix is releasing a reunion special with the cast of Father of the Bride. So wow. he's making that kind of thing. There you go. Maybe wow. he's old enough now to where he's just going back to his old stuff. Moment from Aaron's backstory. Okay, let's do it. Ready for this? <laughs> yep, so, always. Uh, one of my dear friends uh, that I worked with at Starbucks, uh, when I worked at Starbucks way back when there were dinosaurs on the planet, <laughs> lived on the same street in Pasadena where the house that was the house from oh, Father no Bride is. So I wow. used to drive by it every time I went to their house. Yeah. That's pretty cool. There you go. That is cool. Well, look for that this Friday. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more. Uh, Tell us more about Steve Martin, however, is not the gist of the podcast. The podcast is all about um, the services we have at Lake Forest Church Westlake. And this week, we started a brand new series called uh, Unity Over Division, Mm. uh, which is a very, very timely, uh, but perhaps also scary series to have and 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 think about pulling off so uh we're gonna talk about today that today you guys game are we ready yes mm-hmm. okay so are we the, united uh, the three of us yeah it's <laughs> unity over division i know do we need to settle any divi- <laughs> devices we are, we are three amigos it's so true it's true yeah um well uh aaron go ahead and and talk us through preparing for this week and, and you could give a little maybe backstory about the series itself, not just, and then we'll dive into the the sermon from this this week. But what's what's the point of talking about being uh, unified in a time when we aren't, and it's so hard for to, to perhaps pull off? What's the what, what is the, the point of trying to have unity? Well, you know, this is this is one of those fascinating cases where what folks might not know is that twice a year. Uh, and Nathan Caesar, you've each been a part of these groups as well. Yeah. Uh, a number of the staff folks and, and the preachers, uh, the lead pastors of the Lake Forest churches, go away, and we take a day or two, and we prayerfully ask the question, what word of God does the people of God at Lake Forest need to hear in this next season? Mm-hmm. And um, so we actually picked this little mini-series out well over six months ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I think we actually picked this series out pre-COVID, y'all. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. We, so the the spring series planning retreat was over Zoom. Okay, so maybe yeah. So, but it was right on the cusp. You're right. It was. I mean, so it was probably percolating already, at least. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was 
a lot of it, I think, had to do with the fact that it was an election year. Election year, and, yep. right. But yeah. little did we know all that was going to transpire. Ooh, I boy. mean, good night. Um, yeah, you can see kind of God's hand all up in that now. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. So, so that so part of your part of the answer to your question is you know just God's kindness to us and in, in the way He leads us and speaks through a a multitude of counselors and discernment process like that. You know, I never sit down and think, what do I want to preach on? It's it's always a collective, which I love about our churches. Me too, me too. But specifically, as I was getting ready for this series, I heard a story, and I can't remember if it was on one of the podcasts I I like to listen to or one of the NPR shows that I'll listen to on the weekends. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was a story in first person by a woman who had lost her best friend of 20 years due to the division in our society right now, and specifically wow. related to social media posts. Wow. And so that was hovering in the back of my mind uh, the entire time I was, I was prepping for this message. And uh, just sitting, sitting down and reading through those last four chapters of Romans, which is all, all about this. Um, man, it was, it was a great... It was challenging to me, uh, timely, like you said, Nathan. But yeah, I think, what does it what does it look like for Christians to be unified in a world that's very, very, very divided right now? Yeah, mm. yeah. And so why? Because typically our series aren't this short. This is a two week series. So why did we decide to do a two week series on such a big issue versus yeah. maybe our traditional four to six weeks? Of talking, maybe that's why because <laughs> four to six weeks on talking about unity and division is, is difficult, but yeah, go into explain why just two weeks on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, th- I think it really came out of the, the Romans passage. So, you know, we, we in, in Romans 12 through 15, there are kind of two things going on. Um, Paul is talking about what he calls disputable matters. Uh, those are things, some, some translations, I, I kind of, one of the things I wish I'd done differently, I think it's the New American Standard. I, I preached out of the New, uh, New International Version, the NIV, this last weekend. Okay. But the New American Standard actually translates the Greek word there, uh, differences of opinion. Hmm. So if you can imagine, what I call yeah. disputable matters, the New American Standard Bible calls differences of opinion. Yeah. That's even more pointed. Yeah. <laughs> but Paul says, look, there are going to be things that we disagree on. There, there mm. always will be, and there, and we could talk more about the reasons that. And so, and then he says, but there are some things that we all must agree on. And so theologically, there are these two pillars in the in these chapters. There are disputable matters, and there are indisputable matters. Yeah. And so, see, I think we thought, hey, let's take one week on disputable matters and one week on indisputable matters. Yeah. Um, I suppose we could take eight weeks. On <laughs> right. <each. laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's what shaped the series. Cool. Hmm. So, yeah, so we start uh, the message. You start the message, Aaron, with asking that question. How are we to treat others uh, when we, we disagree? And so what, how, did, uh, how did we answer that question on, uh, on Sunday? How, what, what, what are we to do when we disagree with someone? Well, I just unfriend them and shame them on <laughs> yes. Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Good. Yeah, I like, think that's. The one. I did about that. I did that to like hundred people after the sermon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I mean, it's. Well, uh, this is this is a little inside, a little bit of a a ministry, inside joke that I always make. But I guess it's true for any industry or or work that you're in. Um, you know, the thing I like to say, which which feels 
true, but of course I'm you know I'm kidding because I love my job, I love what I do. But I always say that ministry is awesome and it would be even better if it weren't for all the people in it, mm. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I think what I'm trying to hint at when I make that you know very very sarcastic comment, I'll, <laughs> I will say it's it is sarcasm because yeah. I do love my job. Is that people just make life hard, <laughs> yeah. and they make navigating our own life harder, especially when there aren't an aligned vision of how to go about your life, right? Yeah. How to how to approach the world, see the world, or even how to enact policy on other people, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. which I think people get really up in arms about, right? But um, That's so interesting, your, your inside joke of it, ministry is hard because of the people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's fine. I, I, after hearing the sermon on Sunday morning, was driving to work on Monday morning, and was listening to another podcast that just so happened to be about reading Paul's letters, like all, like just talk. how do we yeah. approach all the letters that he wrote? And they brought up the Romans passage. And they bring up the fact that in Rome, the, the backstory there um, is that the Jewish Christians had gotten in trouble with the government and been kicked, kicked out of Rome before, before we get this letter of Rome. And now they're coming back because I guess the new government's like fine with them being back in Rome again. And so you have a bunch of non-Jewish Christians who are kind of, who've been flourishing Gentile Christians have been flourishing, and now they're presented with this this reality where their Jewish brothers and sisters are coming back to church, and they're wanting to eat, you know, with their laws. And th- you talked about eating and the differences mm-hmm. in eating. Mm-hmm. And Paul, I was so I did not know that because I think most of my experience with reading the Bible has been one where you kind of assume that the Jewish customs were the dominant things. And then the Gentiles kind of made their own space. But in this Romans context, it's the opposite, where the Gentiles were the dominant Christians, and they didn't like how the Jewish people were coming back in and saying, hey, remember those dietary laws that you know are part of our tradition? Let's get back to doing those. And they were like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so Paul's really angry with, with them, like, no, you got to make room for each other. So I was just so blown away by that. And your your kind of point to making room for each other and mm. admitting when you're when you're wrong, the differing differing of opinions, mm-hmm. knowing that line between opinions and in fact, I thought it was so interesting. Um, and so, I guess how, I, I'm a Gentile Christian, <laughs> you know. And yes, so it's yes. just like I yeah. didn't know I was supposed to make room for other people. I thought people were supposed to make room for me mm. in some ways. <laughs> which is weird. And I guess, yeah, that was really hard for me to hear. It was really hard for me to hear your sermon, I would say, on Sunday morning because I came in with it mm-hmm. thinking, oh, people are supposed to make room for me yeah. being here. And I was constantly being asked to, hey, make room for other people and to make your opinions less of the focal point. Maybe I'm wow. answering Nathan's question for you, but that really hit me hard. Uh, well, it's, it's always so difficult but also eye-opening in a good way when the tables are turned on you. I remember very vividly um, when I was a kid in middle school and we were studying history, I was learning about the Civil War. And for my entire, well, life up to that point, eight, nine years, however long it was. A long life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I assumed that I lived in the North because we lived in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I found out that we were a part of the South, I remember thinking, 
Oh, shoot. We <laughs> <laughs> were the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of the bad guys, you know. We were the bad guys. And, and that blew, I mean, and it really affected me deeply. When you have all these preconceived notions and these ideas about how the world should be yeah. and how yeah. right should be wronged, all yep. that yep. stuff, yep. and then you realize you were on the side that made the mistakes, it's not an easy thing, right? Yep. It's hard to have those those ideas flipped, those tables turned, yeah. Well, it's funny you mention that. You know, I remember, so, so my wife grew up in Baton Rouge, and yeah. so she didn't she didn't learn about the Civil War. She learned about the War of Northern Aggression, right? <laughs> right. And, many, and many of our podcasters probably grew up in, hearing that in school too, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And that's a, that's a great example because um, we, we, only, uh, we only see things from our own perspective mm. initially. We, mm-hmm. all, we all have perspectives on things that, are, that come from uh, where we sit and, and, and the culture in which we grew up and our own experiences. Of course, that's the way human beings are. In fact, we're actually going to talk about that a little bit this, this next Sunday. But stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned. Ooh, look at that. That's almost <laughs> like a teaser. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that you know, Nathan, your first question was great. You know, what? To, how do I? How do I treat people who disagree with me? Yeah. I mean, what? I guess what I'm trying to say is how funny it is that somebody's having to ask that question about me. Mm. I'm that person for somebody else. Oh yeah. And they're having to say, how do I put up with Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> right or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so that mutuality. Um, we didn't have time to get into it, but man, that is all over Jesus. Yeah. I mean, everywhere he went. I mean, just just take the one teaching, um, uh, love your enemies. Hmm. Pray for those who persecute you, right? I mean, holy cow. Hmm. Um, that, that, you know, that I think that's really the challenge, and that's what's so different from our world. Our, our world... Uh, you know, Paul opens this great section uh, in Romans with the uh, passage that many listeners will be familiar with. He says, um, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the mm. renewing of your mind. That presupposes that my thinking needs to change a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that if I don't change my thinking, if I don't allow the Holy Spirit to, to shape my thinking, if, if, I, if I think I've already got it all figured out and I don't have something to learn, then all I'm going to do is conform to the pattern of this world, which mm. is protecting people who are part of my camp, who already right. think like me, who already yeah. agree with me, and then everybody else is an enemy, and I'm supposed to unfriend them. You know? Yeah. And yeah. and Jesus says, no, 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 no. You've you've got to figure out how to love those people, mm-hmm. whoever those are, because you're somebody else's those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you brought up the question. You brought up the the situation that you you said you said this quote. The two percent of you that needs to change by the whole and let that change happen by the Holy Spirit. Um, how, how did you come up with? Where, where did that come from? I thought that was such a clever way because you, you you started by saying we're probably right about a lot of things, you know, and half joking about that, right? Sure. But at the end, you made that turn of well, what about that two percent that does need to change? Where did that come from, and how does that even get expressed? Well, I, I think that's, and this is a little bit confession. I mean, and at, at the risk of saying the same thing I just said, I, I don't know about for you guys, but for me, I'm finding in this climate, if I'm not careful, when I encounter information or a perspective that's different from the perspective I hold, my first response is to kind of just assume the other person's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have this default mode that I operate mm-hmm. in. And, um, 
again, this is all over the Bible. So back on the food issue, remember the story of Peter and he's, he's taking a nap up on the roof and he has a dream. Yeah. And in the dream, he eats all the foods he's not supposed to eat. That sounds and like my dreams on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cheese. Yes. <laughs> all the food. It's just uh, Garfield. Give me all lasagna. I'm pretty sure they were pastor tacos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, were not, they were poor tacos. Let's be honest, right? Uh, but I, it's so interesting. Peter's first response is the Lord says, you got to go and go over to this Gentile's house and eat. And he says, I have never eaten anything unclean in my life. I'm not, in other words, I'm not about to start doing this now, yeah, Lord, right? Yeah, yeah. And yet, here was this confrontation moment. Mm. There's this new piece of information. The Lord is doing something new. He's, he's creating one body that is neither Jew nor Gentile. Mm-hmm. Right? It's both. And, and if Peter's going to be a part of that, he's going to have to change his thinking. Mm. He's going to have to renew his mind right. so that he doesn't conform to the pattern of this world, which is to keep to my own and live divisively. Right. Mm. And so, I, Caesar, for me, it's just I keep coming back and I say, okay, what, what part of me needs to change in this process? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not natural for me. What's natural in this season of fear and uncertainty mm-hmm. and conflict is to dig my heels into my own way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But what if I could actually open myself up to God? that he might want to grow or change me or shape me in a new way. I think some of the resistance to change even, especially if you've grown up in the church, more comes from this deep-seated perspective that God has given you all the truth that you need or the truth that you can handle, and you have to then go and protect yourself from all the distractions or the temptations that could get you astray, right? And could yeah. move you off the path of following God. Which even makes me think, is that what Peter think is that what he's thinking in his mm-hmm. dream? Like, is this God testing me? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. to not eat this food? You yeah. know, and then God has to say, Nope, you know, this is definitely not a test. I want you to go eat this food with this guy. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it is so deep seated in us that, you know, you have to you have to be the bastion. You have to be the last kind of line of defense between yep what is true and how you're supposed to be expressing faithfulness to God even. Sometimes it's that, um, the stakes are that high. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this perspective of, hey, you need to change, it does a little bit of violence to that. Um, hmm. how, how does someone navigate or discern, you know, what is a Holy Spirit invitation to change and what is, you know, maybe a, a to, you know, a, a straying kind of way of changing. Yeah. Well, if I, yeah, so your thoughts, um, Caesar, lead me to a, a memory of a conversation I had uh, going out to lunch. You know, remember going out to lunch? Yeah, yeah those were good old days. <laughs> that was great. Six good, months ago. Yeah, good times. <laughs> going out to lunch with a friend of mine who was just kind of lamenting the state of the world and, and the state of, of the church and how the church has kind of distanced itself from, in, enlarged from people that disagree with it from don't don't believe in it and and uh he's a little bit a little bit older than me and and he was just wondering why this happened and seeing someone who being someone who grew up in the church and seeing my parents kind of go come to faith as young adults and then go dive headfirst into the subculture of christianity i i feel like i had a little bit to say to answer that question of why why christians are so um not just adverse but just almost uh confrontational in, mm-hmm. in some ways. Or that. And I think it's because, and it was a little bit of what Caesar was getting at, for decades and decades they were, they were pastors that were saying, you know, no, don't just distance yourself from the big, bad, scary world, but 
but be ready because it's going to come for you. Yeah. Like it's going to come at like the, you're set apart, mm-hmm. which is what Jesus says, right? But you're set apart not to be combative, right. but to, to be a light. And I, I was thinking about the, the image of, of the city on the hill. And, you know, when, when that's spoken over the church and spoken over God's people, I think that's been a little misinterpreted. Right. It's not for our benefit that we should be a city on a hill, but yeah. for the benefit of those around us. Yeah, I can see my, right? my elementary you know, Bible study class. When you go to the church on Wednesday night, and you had the rooms where you'd break out into. I remember seeing like the the armor of God um, posters yeah. on the wall, yeah. and their sword was the Bible and mm-hmm. truth. And as a kid who doesn't know the nuances of Scripture, you think, "Oh, what do swords do? <laughs> you they know, kill people. they kill people, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, um, it's it's a violent tool. It's a tool for it violence. Um, yeah, and and I think that's some of what I, even I was resisting in hearing your sermon was like. Oh my gosh! Like this, I'm having to put something down in order to pick what you were saying up about this changing and this uh, making space for other people who disagree with me. Um, it's re- it's very fascinating. Yeah. Well, I, I remember you know. So this is a bit of a nerdy moment. So folks who want to learn a little bit more oh, about no. this, I'm not again. Sorry. Uh, but folks who want to learn a little <laughs> bit more about this, um, there was a, a great theologian, um, uh, Richard Niebuhr. Uh, in the earlier part of the 20th century who identified kind of what he calls five typologies or five ways that the church relates to culture. He calls it Christ and culture. Hmm. And without getting into the weeds of each of these, it's really interesting. You know, there's some people who think that as Christians, we should, um, we should be on the uh, uh, defense. Culture's coming to attack us. We've got to yeah. defend. There are other Christians who, who think, no, our job is to separate from culture and to be such a beacon of light. Uh, if, if you've ever been up to like uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania and seen the Amish there, right? Mm. They've totally separated from culture, mm. but they've created a culture unto themselves. And, and they would tell you their hope is that outsiders would look in and say, wow, there's something so remarkable about that culture, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's, that's separating from culture. Other Christians think our job is to take over culture mm. and, and to... Um, kind of be conquer, the, yeah, conquer, yeah. Be, be the adjudicators of culture. And I remember when I was studying all this, the, the, the view that really captured me the most was the one that, that he called Christ transforming culture. Mm. And uh, uh, the, the idea that, that Christians are to be salt and light in the world, right? We're in the, the, we're in the world, but not of it. Um, you know, if you, that's shaped my faith so much. Um, I don't have to fear culture. I don't have to. I also don't have to dominate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I can trust that that God is sovereign over all of that. But I. But that doesn't mean I don't engage it, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I. I think I, that freedom in that has has helped me know how to navigate it a little bit better. That's so good. And you see that in in the text from this past week in, in Romans. You see in twelve and chapters twelve and thirteen, as you mentioned in your sermon, Aaron, the things that love must be right. Love. And there's a little bit of all of these in there, to, you know, where it makes sense that they can be schismed in a way. Yeah, yeah. But in fact, it's all of these things, right? So it says, first love, you said first love must be serving, you mm. know, in order to serve, you can't distance yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't. And then it must be genuine. Uh, it must be submissive, you know. There's no, no conquering culture and being submissive, yeah. right? And then, especially to authorities, which is a whole other issue. Yeah, right? we're going to pick that one up this Sunday. So. Yeah. 
and then love must be universal. We owe a debt of love to everyone without exception. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of all of those in what Paul says here in Romans. Yeah, and by the way, right, to Caesar's point earlier, Caesar, I love what you said. It's so, we have no idea what that Roman context would have been like. Mm-hmm. Right. Ima- I just, just get your mind yeah. right. This blows my mind. Paul's asking the Christians to submit to the authorities that are killing them for being Christians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's, a, that's, oh, yeah. A, this is a, that's just a wholly different thing. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, that that's uh, unimaginable, right? Yeah, unimaginable we, to think that way. And, and yet, that's there's certainly contexts in the world right now where that where sure. that's happening, you know. Sure. Um, and I always have to be careful whenever I I think, oh, I'm being persecuted right now. I I, I need to be careful about that persecution word, right? Because yeah. there's real substance to that word. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Still um, today, I mean, there's persecution all over the oh, world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I, you know, at the risk of, of grabbing the steering wheel here, I, I think the most fun for me was reflecting on that donut shop story I shared uh, in the sermon because, y'all, that was such a big deal in my faith. I mean, I had been a Christian for two years at this point. And so here I am, I'm reading the Bible with these other guys in my high school youth group. And yeah, I mean, we're at this donut shop and I remember I remember you know, what the guy pointed out. Hey, did y'all see that altar back there? They have a donut on this altar. And, and you know, so, you know, of course, I was living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Lots of immigrant communities. Yeah. Very, very, very diverse setting. Very much like Rome. Mm-hmm. And, and here's this real altar. And it was a real struggle. I mean, we spent hours dialoguing over whether or not we could go back to that donut shop because they had an altar in there. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, I... I Looking back on it now, I think, oh, isn't that cute? Because Romans so clearly answers that to me, what yeah. we should have done. Yeah. But at the time, that was a real struggle for us. And so, you know, God even used that experience to grow my faith, mm. even the struggling that I did with that. And I tried to draw that out. When, when we call something indisputable, when Paul calls it indisputable, it doesn't mean that it's insignificant. Mm. There are lots of important things that we're going to disagree over. And that doesn't take away from their importance at all. It really matters on some of these things. I just think Paul's bigger ideas, as important as they are, don't let them be the thing that severs your fellowship with one another. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to stay unified and learning from one another and listening to one another and engaging mm-hmm. one another. So would, would Jesus unfriend anybody? Ooh. He might unfollow for a few days, but I don't think he would ever unfriend. <laughs> unfriend anybody. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I mean, Jesus lived out his own command to pray for your enemies, yeah. right? He's yeah. on the cross and he prays. He says, Father, forgive them. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, right there. Yeah. The next time somebody, you know, shames you or pounces on you on your Facebook post, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. If yeah. You, yeah. If you prayed for them? Hmm. Yeah, Facebook is definitely not conducive to the culture that you're ex- that you're talking about when it comes to making space for other people and admitting when you're wrong <laughs> and mm. um, the loving of other people in, in a tangible way, right? Yeah. Um, Facebook is so not the place for mm. community as much as it tries to say it is right like yeah. hey find your people here or yeah you join this group you know pages and communicate and all this kind of stuff reconnect people 
it just does it just does the opposite and I, I really do find it so interesting. You mentioned would would Jesus un, unfollow? I don't think he would be on Facebook. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you're like, probably right. You're probably I, I just right. Don't think he he would yeah. concern. Him, Sorry, so. I was just trying to plant the seed for no, a future I, Lake Forest yeah. uh, series. Who would yeah. Jesus unfriend? Well, it's such a good question. You know, you know, we. I mean, it's as as kitschy as as the what would Jesus do question yeah. is. Yeah. It is such a good question. Because yeah. then you get to me and say he wouldn't even be on Facebook mm-hmm. and and the thought experiments that happen there. Um, but um, I, I keep going back to what I was listening to, talking about the the Jew Gentile divide in Rome, and and hearing some of the nuance when it came to that. And and you you mentioned this this kind of weaker in faith language, that even though the Jewish people claim to be you know the people who the OGs right yeah that's right that's right you know and as Paul and even even as Paul says no. hey make room for them he, he still says hey they're weaker in faith yeah yeah you know and, yeah and yeah. so how do we navigate that <laughs> you know how do we how do, how do we how do we know when our own faith is weak how do we know when maybe our brothers and sisters faith is weak yeah. not so that we can say hey your faith is weak, not to call them out but to be able to discern, you know, what what steps do I need to take in even my own spiritual journey or help my other friend that I'm close to. Again, Facebook makes it so bad because you're not close with any of those people that you right. follow. And so we feel like we have some authority to DM them on Facebook or post on their wall or comment on their posts and things like that. But Yeah, it's, it's kind of made an entire generation of people, multiple generations now, I guess. Yeah think that there's no consequence to anything that we say yeah. or do and which is not not yeah. the case at all yeah so how, how do i go about discerning my own faith and knowing if it's weak <laughs> about a opinion yeah, issue a, a, a divisive issue yeah well gosh geez, i don't know I, I almost would want to turn the question on you and hear your thoughts oh, okay. uh, you know I, I it strikes me that that the jew gentile dialogue in the new testament um there are times in my life where i live like the Jew, right? I'm, I'm still living under the law. I'm still thinking that my performance is actually what gets God to love me or something mm-hmm. like something mm-hmm. to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. I would never say it out loud that way, right. but, I kind of, but kind of subconsciously, right. like, oh no, you know. And so there are moments in my life when I operate in one lane, mm-hmm. and then there are moments in my life when I operate in the other lane. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the invitation, this is, I've never thought this would kind of be fun to play this out a little bit um, because this Jew-Gentile dialogue happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's in Acts. We, we, we talked about that with Peter and Cornelius. Yeah. It, it's in Galatians with what the so-called circumcision group that's coming in and telling all the Jewish, uh, all the non-Jewish men when they're joining the church, they need a little snip-snip yeah. you know, like this. You can imagine how that went down. Then, <laughs> yeah. then there's the same things happening in, in uh, Corinth and then here in Rome, it's everywhere. Yeah, and so it is one of the meta themes of the New Testament, and I think it's because it's a meta theme in our spiritual life. We yeah. have to, where we have to wrestle with both of those tendencies, mm-hmm. and so maybe it's just an awareness of that two percent that you mentioned earlier. That yeah. there, and I and two percent was a little tongue in cheek. It's probably more. Yeah. In my life, yeah. God, there's probably fifty percent, sure. maybe maybe ninety percent that God still yeah. needs to shape and mold. For sure. Yeah, I think it's so hard for me to discern, you know, because, I mean, how much do we, there's just so much we download, you know, from the narratives that are happening globally, nationally, regionally, whatever. 
that aren't really our problems, you know, they don't really affect me on a personal level, but because I feel affected by it, you know, or feel carried up in the in the drama, that sometimes I adopt those things yeah. as my problems. Do you feel yeah. Do you feel like you you have to pick a side on those issues that aren't even your issues? As um, or? Good question. I, I sometimes sometimes I I do feel like I'm more, I think more, I'm. I'm finding myself, I'm reacting more to how I see other people picking sides mm. in issues. We talked about all the different, we jokingly said, are you peanut butter chocolate versus, yeah. you know, thinking that's the worst yeah, yeah, combination yeah. Of, of things. But it does feel in that way that trivial um, mm. where we're, we're, we're focusing so much on these issues and taking sides on these issues that just we're just taking sides on only because they've have only because they've elicited some kind of emotional response out of us. Yeah. And and I and I see that as a kind of scary thing more than the sides themselves, more than mm. who's arguing what part of these big issues. It just makes me more I guess sad to see the fact that we are these are issues more than the sides that people take because I think yeah. I don't I don't, I I'm trying to avoid taking sides at this point. Yeah. Um, which can can be good because um, sometimes we have to have some distance. But I don't want to be apathetic, no, you know, no. about justice. Yeah. I don't want to be apathetic about you know the vulnerable people in our mm-hmm. in our communities. Yeah. Um, but it it is so interesting. You you mentioned how this this week's sermon was for Christians mm-hmm. more specifically because we had we have some issues when it comes to this. Um, but but yeah, I, I I'm I'm more am grieved by fellow brothers and sisters who claim to have an allegiance to Jesus, but are fighting so hard for their allegiances to other kingdoms. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. socially, yeah. politically, economically, there's so many different kingdoms that exist. So that's where I'm kind of at in this. Yeah, well, you can you can look back to Romans and see Paul, uh, maybe reading a little too much into it, but I, I think he, it's it's telling to me that Paul what he says in chapter 14 about the food thing, right? And whose faith talk about the people whose faith is weak. He doesn't automatically just correct them and say, You need to go tell them their faith is weak and you need to go mm-hmm. tell them what they should and should not be doing. But what he says instead is, um, you must not treat that person with contempt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And uh the one yeah, th- so to me, in reading a little mm. little more subtext into it, you know, he's not quite saying it but almost saying the either or doesn't matter as much as how you treat the person who doesn't right. believe the same way that you do. Yeah. And that's so good. Yeah, like because God has them. accepted them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a, yeah, that's intense. Yeah. Which is the, that's the meta-Christian ethic, yeah. right? Everything, yes. the reason I forgive someone who's wronged me is not because they deserve it or because they apologize profusely, though those might be true, fine. Mm. But, the, the reason I forgive is because I know what it means to be forgiven, yeah. right? That's the gospel of grace. Yeah. The reason I love others, even if they don't love me, is because I have been loved by mm. God. The reason, and, and so it's very Jesus-y here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is Paul at his best unpacking Jesus' main Christian ethic to love one another as he has loved us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Nathan, I think it's interesting. You know, I, I, I landed... Uh, I, I wanted to land the sermon in this one place, and I wish I had taken a little more time on this because I, you know, 
Caesar, what you were saying earlier, you know, everybody's watching. I mean, we're all watching mm. each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and my hope is that whenever we emerge from 2020, which might be 2030 by the time we're out <laughs> of 2020, but whenever we emerge from this, and it's been a challenging season, yeah, uh, and it's going to stay challenging for a little while. Yeah. Whenever we emerge on the other side of this, will people look at Christians? Will people look at the church and say, "Wow, they they sure know how to navigate." difficult seasons mm-hmm. well they sure know how to respect one another even among, even when they disagree on these mm-hmm. issues or they they really know how to love in the midst of diversity or, mm. or or will the world look around and say yeah the church really doesn't isn't any different than anything right. else in this world yeah and my my hope is that that's not the case mm-hmm. for us yeah and the opportunity there, because I mean, if Paul feels this strongly about this being a value in the community that really no one's watching at the time, you know, Rome couldn't care less, you know, about you said they were persecuting Christians, you know, you yeah. know they, they could care less about this community and their empire. Mm. But, you know, today, it's like, it's even, that's the biggest opportunity we have, right? And if Paul's feeling so strongly about a community who no one's watching, then he'd probably feel even more strongly about <laughs> yes. our community today where it's like we're everywhere, you know, yeah. and the opportunity is so much greater there to be that that um, uh, example mm-hmm. of, of forgiveness and love and compassion to different people. Mm. Yeah. What will we be known for? Yeah. Great questions. Great questions. Thanks, guys, for joining me for this week's episode of Tell Us More, the podcast from Lake Forest uh, Church. Uh, it's always great talking to you guys. Yeah. They do they do this little dance where they they grab their hips and yeah. like yeah. So yeah. Glad yeah. this is a podcast and no one can see Nathan, you'll have to uh, if possible you have to splice in a little bit of that theme music on this. Oh, we said, I'll try to find it. I'll try to do it. <laughs> Would you say you have a plethora of pinatas? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Good. All right, friends. Well, that's it for this week, as I mentioned. Thank you again uh, for listening and tuning in. Uh, Would you join us, please, next time when we ask our speakers and those ministering to us and with us to tell us more. Goodbye.